0: This podcast is produced by Student Media. Student Media is a student organization at the University of Evansville. Student Media produces the Crescent Magazine, published online and in print three times a semester. Student Media produces several podcasts and utilizes design, photography, video, and sound towards experiential and academic learning in journalistic endeavors and engaging storytelling. Student Media elevates the voice of the student body and connects the campus and community to important information and points of view. To learn more, visit crescent.evansville.edu. Hello players who got into D&D from Stranger Things and found out there's a better system than 5e to run your Stranger Things world in.
1: And DMs who refuse to watch Stranger Things or play in a system adjacent to Stranger Things because fuck that show, it did nothing for us.
0: You can't, I, okay, welcome to Table Talk, I'm Maddie. I'm Robert. You can't keep...
1: I just did. So what are we talking about today, Madison?
0: We're talking about Kids on bikes.
1: Kids on bikes.
0: And we're starting with a very controversial opinion. Um, so, Kids on Bikes is, uh, it's not d and I know we have D&D in our name. Um, but we kind of hope to cover all things like TTRPG um, on this podcast. And this is kind of our first real branch out, other than Capes and Crooks, yep. uh, into another system. And this is entirely different than 5e. Uh, so, Kids on Bikes is a system that's a lot more like rules light. And it's a lot more focused on like... Um, like, collaboration and world building uh, than 5E is. Uh, it's produced or made or whatever the fuck. What's the word for, like, a company that, uh, like... Like,
1: I, published by?
0: Yeah, like that.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I w- I'm fully thinking in, like, it's been a put long theater day for me. I was about to say, like, a produced by, and that's not... Anyway, it's Hunter's Same Entertainment. Difference. Hunter's Entertainment. Um, And I, I really enjoy all of the stuff oh. that they put out um they also have two kind of like spin-offs or like modules or like I don't really know how you would describe it. I spin-offs is the best word uh I think. Uh but they also have two others so well uh, I'm getting so far ahead of myself. Um What's Kids on so Bikes, Maddie? Kids on Bikes is a rules-light uh tabletop game that focuses on collaborative world-building um where you play uh oftentimes as someone in a small town. Uh so like from the uh book uh, in Kids on Bikes, you'll take on the roles of everyday people grappling with strange, terrifying, and exceptionally powerful forces that they cannot defeat, control, or even fully understand. And the only way to face them is to work together, use your strengths, and know when you have to run just as fast as you can. Um, so the the kind of like concept and idea of Kids on Bikes, upon first glance, is this very like Stranger Things esque, uh, like very Goonies esque. It's like small town '80s um, or like basically just pre cell phone era. Um, idea, and it uses a completely different system than Five E. Um, it there are not <laughs> so many rules to bug you down with, which is why I kind of gravitate towards this because this is an episode where I'm kind of taking the realm, and uh, Robert's usual position of GM or DM, because uh, this is my territory, um, and this is the one that I've actually run a uh, a one shot in and attempted to run a a, a campaign in that flopped horribly. Yeah. Um, you'll get there. Yes, so uh, they the the two others. So there's kids on bikes. Uh, then they have kids on brooms, which is kind of like a um. I, I don't want to say um. I mean, a famous magical wizarding school that you can go to that doesn't have transphobia. It's wizard it. school. It's wizard school. It's very fun. I really enjoy that. They've got like a bunch of fun stats, um, and like different mechanics there. And then they also have teens in space, which is a uh, space. It's space. Um, space. There's a ship. You get there's like ship, ship logs. Space. It's very fun. It's very cute. Um, yeah. But I'm trying to think. Uh, so the biggest difference is, uh, it, which you'll see as we're kind of going through the book, um, between 5e and uh, Kids on Bikes, and what I think Kids on Bikes does better, is I think it's a lot more collaborative. Mm. A lot of the times the players are making just as many decisions as uh, the GM or the storyteller, because I think it bounces between those two uh, terms in this book. In particular mm. um and the idea that players are gonna be involved in the world building and like pre-world like lore and creation process as the GM is, uh and get to help kind of influence and shape that and i think that that's really cool i also think because you're not you don't have things like skill checks um it it lends itself to a lot more like creativity and it's a lot more narrative driven mm. in that there's no combat system in this like no well, i mean no traditional combat system in this like you're not using weapons and, like, fighting with weapons, which, I mean, I guess you fucking could, but, like, right. that's... And it will make sense as I explain it. But uh, as someone from the player's side who has uh, now played both a one-shot of Kids on Bikes and 5e, what do you think are, like, the are the biggest differences that jump out to you as someone who's played them?
1: Um, I think... Anybody that has DM'd for Fifth Edition can hop into kids on bikes with their hands tied behind their back and their eyes oh, closed. Absolutely. Um, Which I've mentioned that in a, a pr- few previous episodes. Kids on bikes and kids on brooms. Uh, kids on anything really doesn't matter what object you put them on. <laughs> that system is. Um, it's basically just like a user-friendly Fifth Edition. Like it's mm. it's Dungeons Dragons adjacent enough that you can still do the role playing and the character creation. And the world building and the exploring without actually having to do like a lot of the really hard, um, difficult-to-learn mechanics and action economy that comes with traditional um, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, you, instead of having an AC and hit points and um, hit dice and damage dice and proficiency bonuses and advantage and disadvantage and all that fun shit that you get with traditional 5th edition combat... Uh, that is replaced with basically you roll with contested rolls. Yeah. Um, you're just rolling stats against each other. So, for those that are more familiar with 5th edition, than Kins on Bikes, every single combat encounter is basically just rolls. like a contested roll. So, like a grapple check or, um, which that's strength on strength, right? Um, different things like that. So, every single thing is just you rolling against somebody else's stat. Um, uh, it's, it, I don't know. It's interesting to to look at both systems having played in them both. Yeah. Um, It definitely gives you a lot more room to focus on the character creation aspect and like the the personality side of things because there is simply less to do mechanically. um, You can still get magical items and all that fun shit, but like there's not nearly as big of a focus on like becoming an adventurer. It's more just like trying to survive the day to day life in whatever setting you've been dropped into. Um, The one thing that I'm not a huge fan of, and this is just me as a person, less so as a player or DM, I don't like kids. (laughs) <laughs> and kids on brooms, bikes, or any other object uh, is in the title. It's geared around children. Um, there
0: are adult. I will say there are adult and teenage. There options. are, but they're I all still like the more
1: them. like e systems, which I don't yeah. have a problem with. It's just I mean, not my preferred system. I should
0: also preface this is this is a game, or it is rated for ages eight and up, so you mm-hmm. can play this with literal children. Like the um, beginning
1: of the handbook is how to role play a session and like how to make decisions. Yeah, and which, how mean, to like talk in the world, which is fine. I think I that's, think
0: that some people need that.
1: I don't think anybody that we have ever played with, or that I have ever played with, would have benefited from reading that. If I'm yeah, being wholly we're honest,
0: grown as adults who've been playing, which is like, why
1: I don't games. think I enjoy it as much as I enjoy Fifth Edition. Yeah, I like I mean, having it's... more maneuverability within the system. I like being able to do more intricate things. Um, I don't know. I like having twenty-seven different fucking stats and ability scores and secondary scores just because to me that opens up the world a lot more if you understand the system i think the one thing that kids on bikes does is it removes the mechanics from having to understand the world so whereas fifth edition's world is understood through the mechanics of the world or through the mechanics of the character with investigation and insight and perception and nature like every aspect of a fifth edition world is curated and um sort of made for a stat that is on a sheet. Uh, Whereas Kids on Bikes, it's much more um, like inward-focused. There's a much bigger emphasis on building a character and less on building somebody who's going to interact with the world. It's fun. Um, I don't have to worry about a whole lot in Kids on Bikes as opposed to 5th edition. Uh, I'm sure some people have run uh, Kids on Bikes and Brooms systems and games and campaigns a lot more serious than others, but generally speaking, the system is pretty safe. Um, So... If you're somebody that doesn't like to have to constantly worry about, like, fucking up and uh, losing weapons or Speaking arms or, like, up, mistakes, I this is a
0: system for you. To pull something from the back to show as an example, and I have hole-punched the entire, all of the, like, modules that I printed for this wrong. Nice. Um, but one of the things that I was going to say, talking about that flexibility, is... Um, what I really like about Kids on Bikes is it feels like a it's it's a much more relaxed world in general. But I think that you can also make it as high stakes as you want to, which I think is very, very interesting mm. as a concept. And it's also something where, like, you can build and add rules into this so much easier to me than 5e. Because 5e, you have to jump through, like, a lot of hoops. And it sometimes feels like legal jargon to do something or to, like, add a homebrew rule in here. Mm. Um, and in the back of the uh, – I'm using the Kids on Bikes uh, Deluxe Edition. Um uh source book whatever you want to call it um and it has what she bought I did buy I don't buy a lot of source books I did buy this one um it has 22 different settings that they've put in the back and they're like modules They're basically they give you a setting and they give you a list of possible f- um plot hooks uh possible I'm these are so out of order It's not even funny, and I have no idea how they are working. But I will like it has a list of like adjustments to rules for each of these modules and Mm -hmm. things that you can um you should take away from the main system if you're going to play in this setting or things you can add. So this um one is called Dads on Mowers, uh, and there's something called Dad Nap, which is a full rule that they've added into this game Mm -hmm. uh, and mechanics to go with it. And when I ran my um kids on bikes one shot, I also added things in. I added magical items that were not like there originally. Um, it was just something that I decided to kind of make up Uh, because it was a Percy Jackson one-shot, and I like the idea of being able to give everybody something equivalent of like Annabeth's hat, or um, Riptide, or Mm -hmm. something of the sort. Um, But so I think, with all of that said, I think the best way to just kind of explain the differences otherwise is just to dive into the book. Um, So starting at the very beginning, it talks about world-building, and this is one of the things I love about it, again, is it gives you so many guides for how, if you as the GM want to create the world yourself, that's great. That's amazing. But also, if you are a little intimidated by that, or if you just want to work with your players in general, it gives you a lot of guidelines, um, which is something that 5e doesn't really give you when it comes to, like, building your own stuff. They're just kind of like, here's ours. Mm-hmm. That's all you get. Yeah. Um, this is, like, it is It is very intuitive for you to be able to create your own world. So, um, Um, in the like literal first thing, it's a collaborative creation. If you choose to build the world collaboratively, uh, first, like it talks about, you need to decide on the tone. You need to decide on your like boundary settings. Like if you are playing in a 1950 suburb, do you want to deal with the racism of a 1950 Mm -hmm. suburb? Or do you want this to be a game where you're like having some fun escapism time and you don't want to be bogged down with that? Um, but like, it'll give you a list of questions of like, our town is famous for this. Our our town is infamous for this. Our school's sports team is called. So it gives you like prompts and questions um, for you to like kind of consider. And it does that a lot, uh, which I'll get into later with the character creation process because I love what they give you for character creation. Um, But it also talks about, um, it's something that you can have in one sitting and you can do this whole game in one sitting or you can stretch it across multiple sessions. One of the things I love that they've added is assuming that time has elapsed in the world of the game. uh, It encourages players to all say one thing that has changed about the world and like the setting and the town that they're in. So Mm -hmm. one of the examples is it gives is like, um, there's like the old sawmill has been struggling and it finally closed, uh, between this session and last. Uh, and I think that that's just really interesting and kind of a way to like keep the world alive. Um, which I think is just kind of a fun and funky thing. Um, and then getting into, I'm trying not to get too into character stats and like character creation because we're going to build a character mm-hmm. um, a little we can bit still later. Talk about what the
1: stats are though. Yeah, that's, so I
0: feel like I still have to. Well,
1: because stats, cause stats of the system. Um, before we get super into like what the specifics are, so as opposed to having like strength and then three different things under strength or intelligence and then having um, all of your like substats, right? So, um, like wisdom, right? You have animal handling, nature and a whole bunch of other shit in there, right? Um, I think you also have medicine checks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And dexterity, you have a couple of different things. Like, every core stat has its own little list of skills. Instead of having all of those base stats and then having 20 different individual skills...
0: And then modifiers. And and then modifiers (laughs) and and proficiencies.
1: You basically just have your core stats, and that is all you will ever
0: have. I think that's so fucking neat as a concept. Uh, So the way that they do it... um, so you get your six stats: brains, brawn, fight, flight, charm, and grit. Uh brains is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's uh how book smart specifically your character is. This will mm-hmm. explain how they understand problems, how they're doing in school, if they're like if you give them a math problem, how fast are they going to fucking solve it. Right. Um and then you have brawn. It's brute strength. How much can your character lift? Can they climb the rope in gym class super fast? Mm-hmm. Um can they punch a wall, or punch a hole in the wall if they're a teenage boy and they're really angry. Um, fight is gonna be how good of a combatant your character is. Um, it d- Basically, it's like, are they... To me, fight is more of, like, scrap, mm-hmm. as opposed to just, like, physical, like... it. Uh, I'm losing my words. It's mm-hmm. been a, it's been such a long day. It's been a day. It's been a crazy long day. Um then flight is going to be how fast your character is um and <laughs> it it says in the book and as well as how skilled they are at evading their problems both literally and figuratively, which is just a fun Fun thing to read. Um, High flat is going to be fast, tough to trap physically and verbally. It doesn't really say this in here, but flight to me is also like someone who's like very witty and very like sharp with their tongue as well as like being very like quick on their feet. Um, Just kind of speedy and like sharp. F- sharp and flight just kind of go together in my mind. And there's no real reason for that. That's just the way my brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have charm, which is how socially adept a character is, how good they are at reading people's emotions, how good they are at diffusing situations, how good are they at being able to say the right thing at the right time or being able to stop someone from saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then grit is how hard it is to break a character emotionally or physically. That's just a crazy introduction really for a stat. That. Yeah. Um, the closest thing you have to that in 5e is going to be constitution, but I wouldn't describe constitution as it's how a hard constitution it is. It's a mix of constitution and like, wisdom. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be like, how are they going to be able to keep a level head in like a crazy or panic situation? Um, I, in a uh, Dimension 21 system that they ran, they did kids on brooms. Uh, there was a character that ate an owl pellet, like the thing uh-huh. that owls barf up.
1: That's disgusting. That you
0: like dissect in science class.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He ate one and uh, they were like, cool, I guess that's a grit check. Just to see if you can stomach
1: grit check is crazy.
0: Uh, owl vomit. So yeah. I mean, I guess that that's also grit mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and then we'll get into like how the dice work with that, like further into character creation. Um, but skipping past all the character creation. TLDR:
1: for... Every stat's gonna have its own dice.
0: I didn't want you to spoil it. I guess TLDR: not spoiling.
1: Every stat's gonna have its own dice.
0: Okay. Playing the game.
1: Playing the game.
0: Stat checks. So there's two different types of stat checks that you can make in this game, and that's uh, snap decisions and planned actions. The way it describes it in here are planned actions are stat checks when you have time to think about the best course of action and perhaps even get to work with your friends. Mm. Um, There's also another thing, uh, you can use adversity tokens on a planned action, um, which I guess I can talk about now. So adversity token, one of the things I really, really love about this game is that it encourages failure, uh, which is a really like crazy sentence. But uh, in this game, anytime you fail a stat check, and it doesn't matter if you fail it by one or if you fail it by, like, ten, you're going to get something called an adversity token, which we used uh, Magic Gathering counters uh, when we played yep. just because it was what we had at the house. Um, a previous time that I played this, I used little, like, counting frogs because my mother's a teacher and I stole them from her classroom. I
1: also use um, counting, like, dice. So they're, yeah. they're dice that go up, like, numerically from one to twenty instead of all the numbers being different.
0: So every time that you fail a roll, you get an adversity token, and then you are able to use those adversity tokens to kind of like buy uh, and like boost your score. So if you like roll, if the DC is like five and you roll a three Mm -hmm. and you have six adversity tokens, you can use two of those adversity tokens and get yourself up to a five, which I think is really, really cool. And I think it adds for more like narrative fun because you get to kind of like have a little bit more of a say in what you succeed and what you fail at. Mm -hmm. I guess not what you fail at, but what you succeed at. Um, which I think is really interesting. You can also use those adversity tokens to help your friends, and you can give them to your friends. The only caveat being, you have to describe how you are helping your friend yep. when you are like giving them that. Which I think is another really fun and collaborative. It's like way. Giving
1: somebody advantage in fifth edition, oftentimes yeah. I will ask, "So what exactly is it? Are you doing? Like what? What are you doing to give this person advantage?" Yeah. Like if you're just like, "Oh, I give the help action." Okay. It's like, cool,
0: you're in the other room, my guy.
1: Okay. Like, what are you doing? Sure. As
0: opposed to being like patting somebody in the back and being like, you got this, man. You can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a stupid way to encourage someone. But, like, you get the gist. Um, so planned actions are things you get to think about. You can use adversity tokens on them. Um, on the flip side of that are snap decisions, um, which are choices that have to be made quickly and under bad conditions. They're a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more unpredictable. If a monster is chasing you, it, that's a snap decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna run. Maybe you decide to, like, take a sharp left. Um or if you decide to like pull a gun on someone, that's kind of a snap decision as opposed to planned action, which is like, cool, my friends and I are making the active choice to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then your GM will let you know whether a decision is going to be a planned action or a snap decision. And oftentimes you're going to say what you want to do and they're going to be like, cool. Yeah, I'm going to say that's a snap decision because that's a Mm. lot. Um, And so I already kind of talked about failing a role and like what that does. Another really cool thing that this game does um, are exploding rolls. Which are basically, um, I guess since Robert already spoiled it, um, each of your there stats is going stats. to be is going to be assigned a different dice. So for the roll th- or for the stat that you are best at, that's gonna be your D twenty. You're gonna be like anyone who meets you is gonna know automatically that you are gonna excel at that skill. They're gonna be like, yeah, that fucking this guy, guy can do the thing this that is he does. What he's good at. He um, can do
1: that thing very well.
0: Versus the D four, which is like cool. Everyone knows that you're shit at this. I can like, tell by the no way, way he's standing. Yeah, just your energy is fucking foul. There's no way. Interesting. Um, My
1: D10 has disappeared. I know. I found it. Never mind.
0: Hell yeah. Um, So with you having uh, a range of options from a D20 to a D4, giving Mm. DCs is kind of difficult. And there's a wonderful chart in here. And I'm not going to, like, bore you with the chart. uh, But it kind of explains uh, how DCs work and, like, how you should kind of gauge them. Uh, But it is extremely possible for you to have a D4 and make a D8 Mm-hmm. Um, or not make a d8 make yeah, a dc8 it, you know, DC uh, a check. check because your dice can do a funky thing called explode which means basically there are no criticals in this game um if you roll the highest number on the dice it explodes and it means that you get to roll it again and then add that number together the highest roll i think i've seen in this game was on uh mintopolis on dimension 20 and it was like a 56 or something mm-hmm. uh, and it was someone who crit twice on a 20 on like a d20 Wild. and it was fucking insane it was truly an insane moment um but it's it's very fun narratively because oftentimes when you explode it's going to be like a push past what your normal limits are mm. because you're exceeding what your like typical uh, abilities are so if you're someone with a d4 in charm and you are somehow able to fucking like charm the mayor into handing you the keys to his office mm. That's gonna narratively be something that's outside of your like kind of like range of skills that you possess. Um, so it's gonna be something that's gonna get a little bit more attention. I'm gonna be like, cool. you like something unlocks within you. Um, and I'm a big fan of like moments in games where you just have such an insanely high role on something that you like have a mechanical shift within you um, where it's like cool I'm never going to ask you to make this check again I guess mm-hmm. you just fucking have that you're just now. good at it now there's nothing that I can do about it you're just good at it um and then getting into combat encounters um
1: pause 2 seconds something we didn't mention on planned what
0: actions what did
1: I do you can take half of your, oh, your dice oh
0: fuck yeah that's a whole thing
1: uh-huh so on planned actions uh, one of the biggest differences between planned and stabbed is that planned you can take half of whatever dice you have, as your as your answer to a roll. So if Madison says, uh, "Okay, Robert, give me a DC. I don't know, fifteen strength check, or what is it? It's you not can't strength. Take fifteen. You can say fifteen. Bite. Well, um, it gave me a fucking Okay. Take half, and then you can add diversity tokens to it. That's the way to get it. So I could say half the 20, take a 10, and then use diversity tokens to get myself up there. Or if it's below a 20, or if it's 10 or below, and it is my highest stat, I can say take half, and I can just take a 10. Same thing with a 6, a 12, um, an 8. Any of those stats, I can on a plan to action say I take half. On a snap decision, you cannot take half. You have to roll. Uh, There are some fun features and character traits that you can get, depending on what module you're playing in, where that changes a little bit, but generally speaking... That's one of the biggest differences between the two is that you can take advantage of what you're naturally good at instead of having to roll for it every single time.
0: Yeah, which I think makes more mechanic sense than in 5e uh, personally because if it's something like, cool, nah. my character is built you gotta, around You gotta have the ability to have a natural one. Thing. Thing. I get that. I do. but I you have also to have think, the ability. I think that sometimes. I think that I, in the same way that the, the GM can overrule and nah. be like, actually, no, I want you to roll for this. Like, I think that if someone has a fucking like, plus fifteen to something in uh, I V.
1: And gets a natural one?
0: I mean, okay, if they're rolling for it and they get a natural one, that's fine. But like I think that in some situations, if it's like an inconsequential thing, that you should be able to be like, Can I just take half?
1: Nah, it takes out the luck of the like the whole system. I and mean, that's one of the I... biggest things in my opinion that separates fifth edition from a lot of other systems is that regardless of how good you get at metagaming and like min maxing, which the is what a lot of people do, you. the dice can still fuck you. But in this game you are a little bit more safe from your rolls.
0: Hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode.
1: If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at evansville.edu or DM us on Instagram at crescentmagazine. Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. So, with
0: uh, Combat Encounters... Um, the way they kind of describe it in here of, like, it depends. It's going to be contested roles for sure. Uh, and then it's also going to depend on who attacks first and who attacks second and blah, blah, blah. And who's defending and who's not and blah, 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 blah. Um, and once again, this book has a w- bunch of wonderful charts that I'm not really going to go through just because that's a lot of, like, bogging you down with it. Um, but it will explain everything in greater depth than I'm going to on this podcast. Um, but it you can basically use any of your checks to get... In or out of a combat encounter, mm. um, it talks about if you're like standing firm and trying to take a hit, that's going to be a brawn check. If you're trying to attack first and hope for and like just hope to land a hit first, that's going to be like a fight check. If you're trying to talk the attacker out of it before like people start fighting each other, I mean, there's going to be a difficult charm check, but it's going to be a charm check. Um, you can try and intimidate the attacker and that's going to be like a really t- high grit check, or you can just try to fucking run, flight check, or you can stand your ground and try and dodge the punches, which could be a flight check as well. So there's a lot of different ways that you can also argue, and I think that that's really beneficial because it also keeps certain characters from being completely useless in combat in a game that isn't as combat-driven uh, because you can argue that your own strengths and your own fighting style is what's going to be able to set you apart. Mm. If you built a character—I'm oh, going to use the ones from our one-shot, for example. Uh, you were playing a child of Nike who was very fast on his feet, um, literally won a foot race. So when you were fighting things, I was having you roll more of Hell like yeah. a flight check because it was very very much a like a quick uh, dodgy, uh, like a little, do- I, it, I don't know how, what the word I'm looking Speed. for is. Speed. Yeah, like a speedy, like Speed. jabby uh, kind of fighting as opposed to someone who- um, Slicing.
1: Slicing's yeah. a good word for it. More cutting, less like hacking and slashing.
0: As opposed to like, say, a Child of Aries character who probably would have been a little bit more brawn, uh, and a little bit more like heavy swinging. Um So I think that that's also a really fun way to, like, kind of approach combat. Um, And then it also talks about uh, – they've got a wonderful chart in here talking about the narrative result um, as a result of the roles. And uh, this is another thing that I really love about Kids on Bikes is that it will also turn narrative control – be based on the outcome of the rolls over to the players. Mm. So if the so there's the defender and then the attacker when you are like um, fighting, basically. Um, if the defender's roll is uh, greater or equal to the attacker's roll, then the defender gets to narrate the outcome. So this is going to be a situation where it's like, cool, if you just fucking blow the other person who's doing the contested roll out of the water, and oftentimes it's going to be an NPC, um, you blew me out of the water, you beat me by quite a bit, you tell me what happens, as mm-hmm. opposed to me telling you what happens, and that's something that kind of works generally for a lot of the stuff in here, but especially combat. And I think that's really interesting, and it's very similar to the like, so how do you want to do this kind of thing? Yeah. But it's, I think it's, it's very
1: similar to like killing somebody in a encounter in Fifth Edition, or getting a natural twenty, or kind of ending something by getting a really high roll. Very similar in that sense.
0: Yeah, um, but I just think it's a little bit of a of a more fun way to like. Control or, like, agency. Player agency is the word that I'm looking for. Um,
1: Madison is very big on player agency.
0: Yes, I am. That's Why,
1: she's such a fan of the system.
0: Yes, I am.
1: Other people can't really fuck you out of your own actions and decisions.
0: I've never played in this system. Um, Have more control. Yeah, I am a control freak. Um, It's definitely
1: a control issue. Definitely the heart of the problem.
0: sure. That's why I don't DM in 5e. This I can deal with. So much fun. It's it's, Maybe for you, I think I would have a panic attack.
1: Nah, there's so much to keep track of at one time, and that's part of the fun for me, is trying to manage it all at the same time.
0: I think my little brain would just...
1: And combust, for sure.
0: I'm not trying to belittle myself uh, in regards to I but I you need could, to like defend I think you could get here.
1: there 100%. I think some people are just more geared towards a more forgiving system where there is a much more uh, larger emphasis placed on the role-playing aspect of the tabletop RPG, right, of the tabletop role-playing game, yeah. as opposed to the tabletop aspect of it, which is seen traditionally more as the mechanics and the yeah. turn-based stuff and... Combat and abilities and oh, armor I'll do flavor
0: and, and that shit all day combat long.
1: Combat and all that fun stuff. And I th- I'd like to think I've gotten better at the whole flavor thing as time has gone on. I didn't start super strong, but I've gotten pretty good at both. I definitely started pretty strong with mechanics just because I've played a ridiculous amount of video games and it translates incredibly easy. Mm-hmm. Um, once you learn enough video games inside and out, you can essentially just copy and paste from your brain on what you want something to look like or do or feel. But the flavor aspect of it isn't always so easy. Uh, I think. While I'm not the biggest fan of Kids on Bikes compared to 5th Edition, if I were telling a a first-time DM which one to start with, I would suggest Kids on Bikes at least once um, because it's good practice for having to be grounded in the world as opposed to having to be grounded in both the world and
0: Uh, hundred rules.
1: four to five to six to seven players, um, seven to eight stats Mm and all of their skills and abilities and spells and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I want to highlight really quick about the combat thing is um the amount of difference in the roles uh, makes a huge difference. So when you're failing by something and you fail by like, um, I'm gonna I, I'm I lied. I'm gonna read a little bit from the chart. If ten or higher when you succeed on something, this is a big deal. The character succeeds smoothly and easily versus five to nine, which is like, that's impressive. One to four is like, you succeeded, but it's not that impressive. Zero is like, you s- barely succeeded. Mm. You, like, just hit the mark. Um, ne- uh, like, down, uh, failing by one to four is like, you fail, but it's not the worst. Five to nine is like, it's bad, but it's not a disaster. Mm-hmm. And then 10 to 15, this is a profound failure. And then 15 or lower, it is mm. a staggering and catastrophic failure. And there will be immediate and long term consequences for this failure. Which is, uh, a lot of the time you're not going to have DCs that are going to be as high as they are on 5e, just because of the nature of the, yeah. like...
1: not until, like, the end of your one-shot of your campaign. Yeah. When your your players have more um, the sort of modifiers and bonuses they've collected throughout the campaign, because those still existing kids yeah. on bikes, kids on brooms, um, they're just not as abundant and readily available and necessary for gameplay.
0: Yeah. And so, taking that kind of, like, same idea and moving that to combat, um, I'm just gonna go with the most extreme example. If the attacker's role is greater by ten or more, the attacker has full control over the narrative. They explain what the defender does in response to the attack and how ineffective this response is. And that is just incredibly cold to me in, like, a cool way Mm. of, like, I'm gonna tell you, what happens, and I'm gonna tell you how you try to respond, yeah. and how it didn't fucking work. Fuck you. Like that's it's brutal, and like it's Eat literally shit, written like effect. The defender is dead or quite nearly dead. The bullet hits them between the eyes, and nothing can save them. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Next. Um, it also talks about here about like physical damage and how you're gonna deal with that, as well as injuries and death. Um, but. I'm just going to kind of gloss over that at the moment. Uh, there's also, like, a whole system for spending money yeah. uh, in here. But once again, that's something I'm just going to gloss over. Um, there are th- There is something in here called powered characters. Now, when I started playing this, I did not play with – or, like, learning about this system, I did not learn with powered characters. But powered characters are basically – so this is a world where, like, superpowers don't exist or, like, magic or, like – blah, blah, blah. All the things that, like, you're not carrying a great sword. You're not a sorcerer. You're not a wizard with a, a book in casting spells. Um, so, if you want to add that element of, like, magic and fun in this world, which, A, you can absolutely do that, for sure. Um, there's kids on Uh, brooms has great systems for how magic works in this universe or in a universe you want to do and i also think this is a system that you can kind of reskin and reshape and redo to fit your specific wants and needs Mm -hmm. um but they do have something called powered characters which are a character with powers in some way uh, that is controlled not by one person but by the entire party so it's kind of like everyone shares um this character and there's a chart for like how the powers work and like um it's it's very to me of like uh, using stranger things as an example just because that's an easy touchstone mm. um is like if 11 is the one person in the group with like fucky powers it's like the
1: powered character as opposed to everybody else that are just yeah. kids that happen to play Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. and have a loose understanding of what's going I mean, happening.
0: that is truly the best example because y- looking at like season 111, which mm-hmm. is literally the only season of Stranger Things that I've seen. I haven't um, seen a single season. She doesn't talk a lot. She doesn't like do much unprompted. Mm-hmm. And that's why she reads very much as like a similar to like a powered character in this, which y- your powered characters do not have to be like that. You can take them any direction that you want. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's something that like everyone in the group is going to decide. And as well as the personality and stuff. So they are going to still be a character with personality. You're not going to just have like a fucking potted plant that can also cast fireball that's n- that's not an option um it is if
1: you want it to be though
0: i mean i guess but why would you
1: why wouldn't you
0: because people are people
1: yeah what about it i mean
0: literally like giving them is simple things like uh do they have a sweet tooth do foods that are what high in iron help them more that than can other cast
1: foods? fireball though
0: I'm not letting that happen. Why not? Not at my table. It's a
1: lot of fun, though.
0: Because I like people.
1: You can still have people, and then have that person have a plan with Fireball. No. Why not? Because too many that's things not for you fun. to juggle, man. Yeah. So disappointed in uh-huh.
0: you. Uh huh. You should be.
1: You juggled um, plenty of other magical items, though, in the Percy Jackson one yes shot I that did. we're doing. So I don't think that's an accurate statement.
0: Well, I'm not giving the power the one... You're
1: gaslighting yourself.
0: I'm not gaslighting myself. If you want a magical item that is a plant that can cast Fireball, that's one thing, but I'm not letting you have a person that is not a person and is instead nah, a plant.
1: I think that works. I think that works No, that's an fine. item,
0: not a person.
1: You can make it a person, though. You can give it a personality. Be creative, Madison. Whole... I said... Give it a personality. And you can give it a personality. And you don't have to worry about it being human focused. Okay,
0: you tell me what. The- Why has every episode lately been you picking a fight with me like halfway through? It's not through? picking
1: a fight. You just you use a lot of absolutes, cans, and can nots, and I disagree. I
0: am a woman of extremes. You know this. you going to
1: ride the middle, man. There's a gray, and it's a very fun place to be.
0: Not for me. I am one extreme or the other. Disgusting. Anyway, um, if anyone else wanted to be a potted plant uh, with fireball, Maybe. I might consider Funnest it. but Not luck. for you. Um, not for me. <laughs>
1: but not but for me. There's always
0: consequences for the powers I'm when failing your get next check use. in caves and crooks. Don't do that to me. Sorry. This is bullying. Yeah. Well,
1: so was telling me I can't be a potted plant with fireball. I don't know what to oh tell you. Oh my
0: god! God, yeah,
1: i I thought it was supposed to be more open it and geared is towards open, character creation, like being who and what you want. And now I'm being told that I can't be who or what I want if to be. If I
0: come to you and I say, hey, Crazy. make a. Of, of course, the camera's fucking right now. Uh-huh. Um, of, and I come to you and I say, okay, build me a character. And you hand me back a piece of paper and it's just a drawing of a fucking fern plant. Yep. Did you do the assignment?
1: I think if I put enough work into the background of the firm plant, 100. Cool. percent.
0: but you didn't say that. You said, a, "Is this a sentient like plant? Can that this plant can be talk?" Assumed.
1: I think that can be assumed. I'm not going to hand you. I'm not d- going to hand you a picture of just a plant and then like the fucking little Mario ones that spit fireballs and be like, "Hey, oh look, this is what God. I want to do." All
0: I was saying was that if you have a powered character in your group, give them some personality as opposed to just having them be like fucking silent,
1: a magical and item like nothing, as opposed to having them just be a magical item.
0: I mean, at that point, yeah, they are a magical item. I'm just yeah. saying if you're going to make them a person, give them personality.
1: Yeah, I think you can also give personality to a plant.
0: I'm moving on to the next section of the book. Okay. Um,
1: it's okay to admit that you've lost that one. That's I right.
0: did not lose this one. I'm so correct.
1: You're I not, am, and that's I'm okay. I'm so correct. You're it's not. stupid. It's okay. It's okay to be wrong.
0: Information for the GM starts tell. She on page take forty-seven wrong very well. the ki- I, mm, I'm not gonna throw a pin because last time Continue. it went bad. Yeah, it almost
1: hit me in the eyeball.
0: You were f- fine. Um. Anyway, so yeah, you c- you take turns as players, kind of controlling the powered character, and you can also make decisions for them as a group and as a party. Thank you. Yeah. Um. It also talks a lot in this book about signing boundaries and uh, being just kind of generally respectful. Um. With your stuff, uh, which I. Personally, really love. Respect. I think that, um, that's something that you always need to kind of go over into a system, yeah. um, which we've talked about before in certain episodes. Um, but kind of skipping past that, it also has a nice little section on uh, information for the GMs in terms of like how to craft a story um, and like things for you to kind of keep in mind, like notable organizations in your town, notable landmarks. Rumors about the town. Uh, Strengths and tropes, uh, which I'll get into tropes in a little bit. Um, And then, like, relationship questions for the characters. Um, I really like the rumors about the town. I don't remember where in the source book it says, but um, I remember reading through it at some point, and it was basically you have you as the GM ask all of your players to give you um, two rumors that they have heard about the town it doesn't matter if they're true or not you kind of get to decide if they're true or not but they give you those uh and that also kind of helps shape the world so as you're sitting around the table you're like i heard that mrs o'leary um actually has three dead bodies in her basement that's the rumor i heard and then someone else is like cool i heard that if you hit the vending machine uh on number three four times it gives you four quarters um like so they can kind of vary and what Crazy. you want. It also talks about narrative control. Um, like in kind of controlling those stat checks and stuff. Um, once again, I'm very new to uh, the GMing side of things, and I still feel like I GM very much like a player. Um, so I'm not yeah, the most I'd experienced. Say so. here, I'd say so. Uh, just because like I'm I'm still very new to this. So this is this is me learning alongside all of you.
1: Wow. Um, learn something new every day.
0: It also encourages you to change the rules. Um, it, like, says, it if you in- look at the modules that we've included, we're 100% okay with people changing the rules of our game. Please change our rules. Like, dissect and take things apart and uh, and reshape them and glue them together in a fucking hodgepodge collage and make the game what you want it to be. Which I think is just <laughs> a really nice sentiment because sometimes 5e does not always feel that way, which, like, it definitely is...
1: I think the biggest difference is that because there are more things to consider and more mechanics to change and rules in 5th edition, it just becomes significantly harder to create your own version of it. Yeah. It takes a lot more work. Like, the world building uh, typically has to be a lot more extensive, and you have to spend a lot more time fleshing that out. Um, Same thing with uh, any new mechanics that you would like to introduce, because a lot of the mechanics are very tried and true, and they're very complicated and complex in one mechanic operates directly with another one which operates with another one which operates with another one changing one aspect of fifth edition can very quickly become overwhelming Um, and so it takes a lot of experience i think both as a player and as a dm to know how to like effectively navigate that system without ending up with like an unplayable or an overly complicated kind of deal but like i think in terms of kids on bikes it's really as simple as like okay i want to rename this stat and that's like a wholly new mechanic. And you can kind of do that in 5th edition, but because there are so many things tied to so many other things, okay, if I rename Constitution to something fucking random, what does that mean for the three... Actually, what does that mean for the zero fucking skills that are underneath Constitution? Yeah. Um. If I rename Charisma to something entirely different, what does that do to the three skills that are under Charisma? Um, there's just a lot more to consider when changing a 5th edition rule or mechanic. Um, I think it's just is encouraged to do so. I think it's just a lot more intimidating and not quite as feasible for people that don't have a lot of time to spend on it.
0: Yeah, I would generally agree.
1: Whereas Kids on Bikes is like, cool, I want to change the name of the town. I want to make the people this and I want to do that with whatever. And it's like, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Everything is still the same. Nothing has changed. Nothing has to be affected.
0: Um, Before we get into the character creation process, um, I wanted to pick one of the little module settings uh, in the back of this, and we're going to build a character in that world. Um, So I printed off a couple of them, and I printed them very wrong, so I'm so sorry. Hell yeah. Uh, But I can tell you them, and I can tell you the page numbers they're on. Um, So the first one that I kind of printed off, and I guess it's literally the first one in the book, um, is called Dads on Mowers. Uh, It takes place in Suburbatopia, USA. Um,
1: Suburbatopia.
0: And I can read you the little setting information. I I love the way that they do these. So here's a question. Um, Are
1: you going to read the setting information for all of the little modules you printed off?
0: uh, Yeah. I only printed off like three. All right. And then you get to pick. Go for it. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's oh. fine. It's fine. You know, it's time um, management. Time management.
0: I'm I'm sp- I'm a fast reader. It's not always.
1: Uh, uh I don't want to say your skill. People with ADHD skills, time management is usually not high up on the list.
0: No, I agree. This was uh, when we started this podcast. We were like, yeah, thirty, forty, five minute episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. We've not we're... had a
0: single episode.
1: Now, in I that mean... time frame. Yeah, we're almost always over an hour now. Yeah. Anyways,
0: what's anyway? Uh, welcome about? to Mary Grove Lane. It's a beautiful little cul-de-sac in Suburbatopia, a town nestled somewhere in the United States in the early 2000s. Get comfortable in your new five-bedroom, three-bathroom apar- three-bed, three-bathroom house because okay. every one of the ten houses in this idyllic community is a five-bedroom, three-bathroom house with a swimming pool, backyard, and garage. You'll always be busy with some home improvement projects. Looking for a night on the town? Your best buds could paint the town red figuratively at Mary Hardware, the local hardware store, or knack back some brewskis at Goodman's, or say hi to the mayor of Coffee Cat and grab a frappuccino.
1: Brewski is crazy.
0: (laughs) Every weekday, the the residents follow a strict schedule of waking up, getting the kids ready for school, carpooling, working, and finally coming home to loving families with dinner and a quick drink before bedtime. But now, it's the weekend. And now that... And now that's when things get really wild. Barbecue, karaoke at Goodman's, the new home renovation project. You have all the freedom to do whatever is socially acceptable in this little bubble of a town, especially yelling at kids to get off your lawn. You would love doing that.
1: please. Yes, please. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: The only weird thing about the town is 150 Marygrove, the house at the end of the cul-de-sac. The residents have only seen an 11-year-old kid go in and out of that house weird as it is the kid never bothered anyone so no one really cares uh, another thing that i really love that they include with these modules are setting touchstones which are just kind of like the vibe and like the setting of the world which i think is really cool so the ones it gives for this one are the dream daddy video game the good place tv series <laughs> herb Furman, the person uh no exit the play which is fucking wild to list uh no as a touchdown for anything uh the sims the video game and westworld the film um, it also will give you for the modules uh, for the GMs here alternate town creation questions. It'll also give you content warnings for all of the information that they add because they also give you a list. Which don't read uh, don't read these. Um, it'll give you possible points of interest um, to establish in the town, a list of NPCs that you can use, adventure hooks, possible threats, uh, possible powered characters, uh, possible monsters. Uh, and then adjustments to the rules. Um, so you'll use a dad character sheet, which is available on the website. Um, and then it will give you like possible strengths, which are new ones um, that aren't included in the book. Uh, one of them is vroom vroom. You know everything about fixing vehicles. You get a plus two to brains when working on a vehicle. Like very dad-based things. There's one called puns, uh, one called beard, uh, one called dad abs. Um, oh, yeah. Fun flaws that you can add. Um, it talks about you don't have adversity tokens in this. You get friendship tokens. Disgusting. Um, and then there's a feature called More Than a Bromance. Can I get a kick a kid um, token? A what?
1: Kick a kid token.
0: No. Why not? Because I'm not encouraging anyone to kick kids. See, this is,
1: again, a flaw in your whole ultimate freedom, character focus creation freedom, bullshit. Like, and then I'm like, hey, can I do this one thing? And you go, no, not in my world.
0: I want you to know wow. that that thing you're asking to do is kick a child.
1: Correct. It's make believe, Madison. Why does it matter?
0: Because I don't agree with the ethics of kicking children.
1: No, nah, I think if you were facing the, the right scenario, you would kick a child.
0: I mean, if a child's attacking me, I have been in that scenario, actually. I have worked with children for a very long time. I've been in that situation. So
1: have I. I've worked with kids plenty of times. I've kicked plenty of kids.
0: I'm not admitting to kicking a child.
1: I've <laughs> kicked and tripped several kids. I'll admit it.
0: You admit it proudly though.
1: Yeah, because what the what the fuck, man? Like have you listen, anybody that's spent any amount of time around It's a quick tangent. Anyone that's spent any amount of time around any kid under the age of like 15 knows that there's absolutely zero things going on behind those eyes. And that, in and of itself, is infuriating.
0: This is a crazy hot take to have on a it's podcast. It's not a hot take. I is, don't like kids. I, I, it's, I know.
1: I despise them. I know. Children are just not not it.
0: Man. I know that you think that.
1: They know so little. They understand so little.
0: I love kids.
1: That's That makes a lot of sense. Fuck you. Anyways, what does that mean? What's next?
0: Fuck you. Uh, there's more than a bromance, which is a, is a fun little thing in here. Uh, Dad nap. And uh, we've got each other. I can read more into those if you want, or I can uh, gloss over them because we went on a kid kicking tangent here.
1: I'm not getting kid kicking tokens. I'm not. I'm not choosing the module.
0: I really like this one.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. Want... I don't get to kick kids though. I.
0: I will. I'll let you kick one child.
1: No, it's okay. What's the next one?
0: I really want to do that one. I think it sounds really fun. What's the...
1: What is with this ultimate player and character freedom shit here? And then like you're like, oh, but not really. Eh, but i really see. This is where Madison's control issues really become highlighted because she gives you the illusion of freedom and then fucking takes it away.
0: Okay. First of all,
1: absolutely nabs it. It's fake, false hope.
0: Bitch, you said that I could pick whatever one you didn't care, and then I said I'm gonna give you a choice on the podcast. Yeah. And you now I have like, a choice. I don't give a shit either way. Now so I now have suddenly, a choice. Now suddenly, now suddenly now you, now you give a shit. Now I have a choice. Suddenly you give a shit.
1: Suddenly I give a shit because suddenly, suddenly, <laughs> you're not you're not sticking true to what you said.
0: If I let you play... I'm just going to read the fucking next one, okay? Yeah, read the I'll next one. I'll let you play a grumpy dad if you choose read that one. Read the next one. Snow Days at Chanky Cheese. Uh, oh, my
1: God. Chanky, <laughs> chanky Cheese is... Chanky Cheese. Jesus Christ. I'm
0: going to spell Chanky Cheese for the listeners. C-H-A-N-K-Y-C-H-E-E-Z.
1: That's disgusting.
0: Takes place in Snowsville, New York.
1: What the fuck?
0: Um, uh, skipping over content warnings. Um... Many in northern New York say that there are just two seasons there, winter and July. Nestled on the shore of the St. Lawrence River is the aptly named town of Snowville. From late spring until early fall, the community is fully geared toward tending the fields and harvesting hay. The rest of the year, it's a snowbound wasteland. On occasion, the snow will shut down travel for weeks at a time, and even when things are running smoothly, the drifts can get way steep. Wanting to give people another reason to visit, 4 years wanting to give people another reason to visit, 4 years ago, Locals constructed the Chanky Cheese Funtime Emporium. Jesus Christ. An arcade and pizzeria. For two years, it worked.
1: Chanky Cheese work. is fucking disgusting. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> people from far and wide floored in as, flooded in as often as they could, as Chanky's helped the economy boom. After only two seasons, Chankies didn't open up again when the snow cleared. The Chankies. owner, who spent her winters in Florida, never came back and never heard, and was never heard from again. Some nights, people swear they can hear sounds coming from inside the abandoned building. Now, there isn't much to do in town. Sledding, sure. Winter hikes, sure. But the snow drifts can be dangerous. Every year, at least one person steps into a drift that formed over a gully in the earth and nearly freezes to death. These victims report seeing strange creatures crawling over them, pulling the heat from their bodies. But that has to be the hypothermia, right? Oh, fuck. fuck. Uh, setting touchstones include the film Fargo, uh, the video game series Five Nights at Freddy's, and I guess movie now, uh, and the novel The Shining. That's fun. Um... I I love the name Chanky Cheese, and that's truly the reason I picked it.
1: The only thing I could think about was fucking Five Nights at Freddy's.
0: Yeah, it's it's Five Nights at Freddy's. I think I bit.
1: gotta go that one.
0: Uh, well, we still have some more to read.
1: Okay, I'm just I I can guarantee you that I'm going with that one.
0: I might have a say in this decision because I don't like. <laughs>
1: That really sucks, dog. I thought this was very player oriented. You gotta
0: work with me a little bit. I don't
1: understand what this you is all got... about.
0: Hey, hey, Robert, you gotta fucking work with I'm me. I'm just holding just you to
1: your word. That's all I'm doing. Just admit that you don't stay true to your word, and we can
0: play whatever system you want. Oh my God. Next one Pointing Pleasantly, Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Authors note. <laughs> although Point Pleasant is a real location, I've taken some liberties with what's there. Signed Doug. Um, Doug. Point Pleasant can serve as a setting for light-hearted adventures during the summertime or, more serious, existential adventures during the off-season. Right, sh- right on the Jersey Shore, a convenient train ride-away from New York City, is Point Pleasant, a vacation hotspot for both city-dwellers and inland New Jerseyites, even the occasional Pennsylvanian, even though they usually go to Long Beach Island. During the summer, Point Pleasant is nearly constantly thrumming, and the Ferris wheel is always turning, even at night. It offers both the beach, which is the main attraction, and the bay, which is where the more rebellious kids hang out. But after Labor Day, the the off-season begins, and the population drops to less than 30%.
1: For the families
0: who work in the tourism industry, the other nine months are slow. Sure, the town needs to keep going. There's a small elementary school or the combined middle and high school, or there's the grocery store and the library, but that's not enough work for the folks in town during the off-season. For the kids who live there, there isn't much to do either. Younger kids will often invent crazy stories about what they've seen in the ocean and what lives in the less developed parts of the island, or why the bay sometimes seems to be whispering. Teenagers will usually split their time between figuring out where to go once they graduate high school and sneaking into houses to cause trouble. Setting touchstones for this include creatures... Creature from the Black Lagoon, the film, Gravity Falls, the yeah. TV series, and X-Files, the TV series. I fuck with all of those uh, films and TV shows a lot, which is why I chose this one. Also, I thought it was going to be about Mothman, because uh, Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia. It can be
1: about Mothman.
0: Maybe I'll, make it. Maybe I'll just decide that it's West Virginia instead. Uh, yeah, it's, Mothman where it's where there. I was born. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I'd never been there. Well, incorrect. I've driven through there. I've seen the military base that I was born on. I have not, like, visited the state. Um, so this is a fun little fact about me. I was born there on a marine base.
0: Jesus. One of the adjustments to the rules is I'm just, like, flipping through. Uh, holding your breath.
1: Ooh, that's imagine exciting. Imagine what that's
0: for. Uh, there's also a whole, like, table about holding your breath. Uh, forced Ooh. to hold breath is also an option.
1: That's uh, fun. There's also
0: a rule edition called Ski ball
1: Oh, hell yeah. Ski ball
0: uh, which are two crazy things to see. This one I also uh, kind of pulled uh, just because of my personal interest in uh, the, the culture surrounding it, uh, which is called Minor Threat. Um, it takes place in Washington, D.C. Um, this is also just really, really cool in the way that they've like approached it. I don't know if it's something that I would feel super comfortable uh, running just because I don't feel like I have enough experience at the moment, but it's so super cool and I wanted to highlight it anyway. Um... Hmm. So for setting information, it starts with a quote. Uh, The music is a conversation speaking to the values of the community, entrepreneurship, fellowship, giving every single person a voice, whether that's through a shout out or through the call and responses or through a dance move or through showing what kind of fashion you're wearing from Charles Stevenson, Jr. There aren't many things for a kid to do in the district in the late 80s and early 90s. If you're out on the street, you're hassled by cops. If you're at home, you're hassled by your parents. If you want to head to a store, it's buy something or get out with the omnipresent camera and be cop breathing down your neck for fear that they might justify their salary. For fear you might, you may justify their salary by grabbing a candy bar. No one has any money, and even not even most grown-ups, but it seems like flashier cars are being driven through your neighborhoods at increasing speeds. Your school is built like a prison, and police walk the halls.
1: Mm-hmm. Every
0: month, cops stand in front of your class to tell you That drug dealers will try to make you smoke pot and that crack is whack and just say no, but you've never been offered anything, especially not for free. Everyone says your neighborhood is full of crack babies, but you've never seen one. Anywhere you go outside your neighborhood, you're watched like a criminal. You have no power and nothing you can do is ever acceptable or accepted. But there's at least music, and the Atlantic Club is the place that you can find it most. It's the only club open to all ages and as early as 9.30 p.m., so even the most conservative parents can let their kid go for a half hour or so. Somehow, they managed to get bands from all around the world, and there are always the unique sounds of bands brewing in the district. People come from everywhere to hear it, but some folks keep trying to silence it. Setting touchdowns include the musician Chuck Brown, Go-Go, the music subgenre, Hardcore, the music subgenre, Straight Edge, the subculture, and Mr. T, the actor. Um, One of the other things I really loved about this uh, is it does have a whole chart here um, as well for some other things about – I know I just grabbed – Oh. There's the thing I'm looking for. Sorry. It's printed on the wrong thing. Um, but it gives you like some really fun questions and everything. But the thing that uh, really, really hooked me on this more than anything else, other than um, a lot of the stuff being music-focused, was that it has the bootlace code in here for the punk subculture. And oh, it talks fuck. about... Um, uh, while funk fans wear their velvet and the punks wear their torn shirts, everyone wear everyone wears boots, Tims or Doc Martens, and it talks about the color of your laces. Um, white laces are for supremacist Nazis and being like, hey, don't fuck with these. But it's also Jesus. a way for you to be able to identify characters in this world. Um, and you can kind of like look to that. But it talks about white laces, red laces, yellow laces, purple laces, and black laces. Um, if anyone is curious, I uh typically do yellow laces uh whenever I, like. Have a pair of boots that I have laced up to boost code. Disgusting Boot code. What do you mean disgusting? That's anti-racism.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yellow laces are just an, it's it's a choice. I'm not shitting on the code or like the purpose behind it. I just yellow laces. I don't know something about it makes me want to vomit.
0: Fair enough. But good for y'all. Um. But that wasn't really one that I think I'll be able to run. But I think it's just super cool. Like one of the possible threats is the Dare Task Force, uh, <laughs> white laces and red laces, which are basically uh, skinheads and Nazis. Um, Jesus Christ! It, it it's just really really sick. And as someone who like um, has has is involved in alternative subculture, uh, not <laughs> as much as I am, not as much now as I used to be. Um, it's just something that hits kind of close to home for me. Thoughts.
1: Um, I'm still kind of stuck on the FNAF one.
0: God damn it. I know that's your
1: least favorite one. I'm it's still kind of stuck fi- I on I
0: have it. no idea how I would run that. The, my biggest issue is I have no idea how to run that because I, like, I don't know a lot about that world. And, like, it gives you a lot of, like, points of interest and stuff. This is one that I just kind of pulled because I wanted to say the word chanky cheese on the Chanky cheese the on the podcast? More no, than that's anything so else. valid. Um... I guess I can try.
1: An alternative, if that. you don't want to do that one, I'm cool doing the Mount Pleasant one.
0: I can rock with that one more.
1: I refuse to do Dad's on Mowers.
0: I think that one sounds so cute.
1: Yeah, I know. Not my thing, though.
0: Okay, I forgot you hate happiness.
1: I do. I do. It's
0: kind of your stick. Thanks. All right, so now that we've got our world. I'm fiddling with loose papers because I fucked up printing. Um, where the fuck, did, uh, there we go. Um, So now we get into making a character and I guess it doesn't really matter what type of character you make because now we know that it's not gonna be a world that's like s- super specific to um, how your character is built. So I'm gonna flip over. Uh, Character creation. So, the first thing that you're going to do, uh, which we did not do in the Percy Jackson one-shot because I decided to be complicated about it, is you're going to choose a trope. This game does not have things like classes, races, backgrounds. Tropes. Um, It has tropes, which are exactly what they sound like. They are character tropes. Um, So, you're going to choose one of those, and they're going to basically give you your stat breakdown. And then you're going to be able to make selections like your age, your strengths, flaws, your name. Um, and then you're going to kind of be able to, like, flesh out your character from there. So it's a very streamlined process. You are also able to make completely custom characters where you get to choose, like, what their stat array is. But I think that the uh, the trope option is very, very fun. Um, and then strengths and flaws also have a, like, physical uh, component in the game where a lot of the times if you're, like, if you have a fear or I guess fear more than, like, strengths and flaws... Um, it's something that will like affect the way that you play. If you are like in face with that fear, which I think is really neat. Um, and it also has a fun little thing in here. So strengths are in this are very similar to like features in 5e, I guess would be the best comparison, which is like you get some type of physical um, or mechanical something uh, bonus in some way. Um, and it also kind of like rounds out your character a little bit more fully. So mm-hmm. I'm going to flip to the back of my little book. Um, so we can look through, and I can read some of the tropes off to you. Uh, you as the listener, not just Robert, because he has his own that he's um, also following along with. I also did these wrong. Heck yeah. Gosh darn it. Okay. Heck yeah, dog. Well, first you're going to decide how old you are. Are you going to be a child? Are you going to be a teen? Or are you going to be an adult?
1: Um, I'm thinking teen sounds fun.
0: Teen. All right. Um, I have these fucked up. I did this out. very wrong. Um, okay, here's some. There we go. So, first one that i popped up because I printed these very wrong is laid-back slacker. Um, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. Uh, likely flaws. It'll give you a list. So, it could be like absent-minded, blunt, clumsy, cowardly, disloyal, disobedient, flippant, ignorant, irrational, reckless, secretive. Um, uh, possible strengths can include cool, under pressure, easygoing, treasure hunter, unassuming, wealthy... I don't think I mean I guess wealthy could fit with the like laid back laid back slacker trope. Um, then you also have loner weirdo. <laughs> um, these are very much like exactly what they sound like. Yeah. Um, that's gonna loner weirdo to me reads like um, oh my gosh what's her face from Breakfast Club.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but yeah. I, I uh, what I'm about.
0: Who would be a laid back slacker? It's like the Can weird an example from media.
1: A laid back slacker from media. Yeah. Oh, I don't fucking know. For some Ferris reason. Bueller.
0: Fer- like Ferris Bueller, there we go. Um, another trope in here is overprotective parent, but that's for an adult, and we're not playing an adult, so we're going to skip that. Uh, bully.
1: Hell yeah, it's a bully. It's a bully. Uh,
0: my personal favorite, uh, conspiracy theorist.
1: Which is why I won't I play it. I think
0: that's super, okay. Get fucked. Can't Just do it. Just a little bit, won't get fucked. It. I won't do um, it. Sorry. And then for each of these, by the way, it gives you your stat array. So for the bully, can you guess what the highest stat is? Um. What your D20 goes in? It's gonna be fight. Correct. Hell yeah. Let's see if you can guess the Is whole array. The
1: lowest one brains. No. What? Slowest one flight. No. Is it charm? Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, so we have a D4 in charm. We have a D20 in fight. Mm-hmm. I feel like our D12 has gotta be in brawn. Correct. Okay. So our d tens in grit. Then. Nope. What? So it's in flight. Yes. What the fuck? That's stupid. They don't know how to make stat blocks. Whatever. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. You guys did great. I just disagree.
0: You disagree with everything. I just
1: just disagree with that. Negative. Flight should not be higher than grit. Like, that's. mm, I mean, if you want
0: to play a bully, we could switch that around. Um, I
1: won't play a bully. You'll enjoy that too much.
0: Uh, Funny sidekick. That's another one of the tropes. Give me an example of a funny sidekick. I'd love to play a funny
1: sidekick in a campaign where it's just me.
0: Yeah, that kind of sucks. I have no idea how we're going to do this. Uh,
1: We're gonna manage. I mean, eventually we'll yeah. play it. For now, it's just building a character.
0: Yeah. Um. Scout.
1: Give me an example of a funny sidekick. Jesus Christ. Um. Oh. Uh. Jake from Adventure Time.
0: There we go. Um. Then we also have Scout as an option. Um. Like a Boy Scout yeah, or a like a Boy Cub Scout, Scout, or a Girl
1: Scout, or somebody um, likes collecting salamanders and toads in the in the
0: creek. Yeah. All of these Look also at this have This is the cricket. All of these also have questions. So like for funny sidekick, what do you do that always lightens your friend's mood? Um, when does being in the sidekick role frustrate you? So on and so forth. Um, that's a, another adult one is stoic professional. Um, here's another teen yeah. one, which is wannabe. Questions being what would it mean to be one of the popular kids and what would you sacrifice to be one of the cool kids?
1: Imagine playing wannabe. that
0: I think that would be a very fun trope to play. I think
1: it, I think it could be for sure.
0: Um, another one is plastic beauty for teen, um, which is how does it feel to have others think that you're beautiful, but terrible?
1: Some mean girls.
0: Um, and what would you sacrifice to remain beautiful? Okay. Which is nutty. Um, Uh-oh. the popular kid, um, one of the questions is how do you treat the unpopular kids? Heavy. Um, and then this is another adult one, which is, a reclusive eccentric, um, all right. I think that's all of all right, them. All right, all right. printed these wrong. Yeah. Unless they're, like, hidden somewhere else. Oh, I found another one that I missed.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, um, so this is when I go to the PDF that I pulled up online, and I double-check uh, to make sure that we're the, not missing anything. Let me
0: read the two I found.
1: Read whatever um, the fuck you want to read, dog. It's your source book in front of you. I'm just making sure that, like, we're not mathletes. missing any. Nerd. Yeah. You're a nerd.
0: Question two is, how does your social isolation manifest itself?
1: That's so fun,
0: isn't it? Um, another one is brutish jock. Um, what satisfaction do you get from being good at sports? Very overlapping. A uh, little bit with, uh, uh, I think a jock is a little bit different than like a bully.
1: I think a jock is a combination between bully and popular kid.
0: I yeah, I think that there's enough distinction between those two that you can switch it up because I can eh. see like a punk bully for sure.
1: Yeah, agree to disagree. I think a jock is just, they picked popular kid, and then they were like, give him a sport.
0: I mean, the way that they're describing it in here is like, what satisfaction do you get from being good at sports? What does your involvement with sports keep you from doing that you wish that you could do? I think it's a little less, like, brutish in terms of, like, physically, imp- like, I mean, yes, physically imposing, but I think it's uh, a little bit more of, like, meathead <laughs> as opposed to, like, fair enough. anything else. Um, so are there any that are jumping out to you? Um,
1: I'm gonna scroll down to them in the PD. What what pages it tell you it is?
0: Um, I've got some that says uh, one of them says sixty eight. One of them says sixty six.
1: So in the sixties. Yeah. Cool. In the sixties it is. There we go. Bound tropes. How it did I fuck up jock. printing this bad? This is uh, like
0: crazy. How bad. It's
1: impressive. I it I'll give you that. It's impressive. Um. Okay, brilliant mathlete, British jock, bully, conspiracy theorist, a funny sidekick. Oh, I kick, found one more. Young slacker, provider. Loner weirdo, overprotective parent, plastic Jesus, that's sad. Kid, reclusive eccentric, scout, stoic professional, wannabe, young provider. Okay.
0: Young provider's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's interesting for sure. Um, Okay. I have no idea what person I'm playing for this. If I'm being totally honest.
0: That's okay. That's why we pick a trope and then you build it around it.
1: One. I think two,
0: that's also one of the things that helps kind of streamline three, the like personality four, part of the character five, creation six, process, um, seven, because it gives you a, a trope to pull from.
1: Nine, ten. And you can
0: kind of like flesh that out. You can also look to other characters twelve. for examples of this trope.
1: There are eleven options. I'm rolling a twelve. I'm going with that one.
0: Alrighty. That was such a fucked up roll. How did it bounced out of the box of dice off of the dice tray? It never made it in and then onto my uh, anyways back to our break-
1: schedule and programming uh we're at an eight. so on the list from the first to the let li- to the first of the eight okay, so one two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I'm a plastic beauty. <laughs> great.
0: Oh, that's so fun for me.
1: Fan-fucking-tastic. There's nowhere (laughs) on this bitch to write that, so I'm just going to put it in a little box under notes.
0: I'll build a character as well, uh, just for shits and giggles, Uh, and I'm going to do a conspiracy theorist.
1: Of course.
0: Um, So do you want to explain your stat breakdown?
1: Sure. I have a d20 in charm. I have a 12 in flight. A 10 in fight. An 8 in Brawn, a 6, or sorry, an 8 in Brain, a 6 in Brawn, and a 4 in Grit.
0: All right. And then I have a d20 in Brains, a d12 in Fight, a d10 in Flight, a d8 in Grit, a d6 in Charm, and a (laughs) d4 in Brawn.
1: Hell yeah. My Brawn's Um, not too much higher than yours. What's your 20 in?
0: Uh, Brains. (sighs) What's your your d20s in Charm. Charm, right? Yeah. Yeah, have fun getting oh, played,
1: fucking loser.
0: What the fuck did you mean? What does it mean?
1: Um, what does mean? Possible strengths, cool under pressure, and so these strengths we haven't I'll really talked a whole lot like about. The
0: little strengths there So
1: this, there are little sections on here for those that can't see it. Um, there are two sections, four sections technically, but there are two possible strengths and likely flaws. So every character comes with their own strengths and flaws. It's kind of like uh, features, uh, but then there are also fucked up ones that you give yourself for uh, funsies.
0: Yeah, like gross. There's no mechanical thing. It just uh, you have some type of gross bodily trick that you can do. Do
1: you remember how many of each? It's two strengths and one flaw, right?
0: Yes. I feel like that's true. That's what I did for you all. Okay. I DM'd.
1: So it gives me a list of the strengths that make more sense for Plastic Beauty. So for me, it's Cool Under Pressure, Intuitive, Lucky, Prepared, Skilled At, and Wealthy. Most of those are going to be pretty obvious in terms of what they provide you with. Um, Like, Skilled At, you pick a skill. You're Skilled At, it. Wealthy. Two
0: strengths and two flaws.
1: You got money. Prepared, you're, like, prepared for things. It probably gives you, like, a bonus to prepared roles and all that fun business. Uh, and then Likely falls, or Flaws, the list is significantly longer, <laughs> Uh, boastful, conceited, demanding, flippant, inconsiderate, petty, picky, prime, or prim, sorry, rude, self centered, vain, vindictive. Brutal. Yeah. Um, it looks like most of these have more flaws than strengths, which I think is such an interesting <laughs> choice.
0: Yeah, just because there's mechanical things that go with strengths as opposed to um, sure, sure. flaws, it's which more is more of a just flavor thing. Flavor.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I have age. Need to decide my age. I'll roll a d10 and a percentile, and I see what that gives me.
0: We'll do the same, I suppose. Or
1: no, I guess I'll just roll a d10. I don't. I don't need to do the percentile. This is just my second number. I'm sixteen, baby.
0: Cool. Let me roll. You're ten. I'm not gonna be ten. You're ten. If you are sixteen, I'm not ten. Sixteen. God damn it. Cool.
1: Wow. Uh didn't want to be 10. Hanging
0: out with the ten-year-old.
1: Didn't want to be ten. Fuck off. Didn't want to be ten.
0: Um, do we want to do strengths next? Did you pick your strengths?
1: No. I was just reading off the options okay. that it gives me.
0: So I think what moving on. Page to are strengths, strengths on. Next. Um 59.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go to fifty-nine. That way we don't have to keep bouncing back and forth between the same.
0: Uh from my, my list PDF. of possible strengths, I've got heroic, intuitive, prepared, skilled, treasure hunter, and unassuming. Uh flipping over here, I'm gonna kinda look at those. Um Cool Under Pressure <laughs> is definitely not one of them. Uh, heroic, you don't need the GM's permission to spend adversity tokens to ignore fear. Uh, that sounds like it would be very fitting. Um, intuitive, you can spend an adversity token to ask the GM about your surroundings, an NPC or the like, and they must answer honestly. Um, prepared, you can spend two adversity tokens to just happen to have one commonplace item on you, uh, which is really fun. Um, the skilled out is just you kind of choose uh, one of the stats that you're like... Good at, hell yeah. Um, and basically anything that is a nine or a less involving this skill, um, unless the DM says, is uh, y- you you pass.
1: Hell yeah, I'm um, taking lucky and kill under pressure.
0: And then if you do have to roll for it, you get a plus three to whatever you do. Um, easy
1: for me, dog. Cool
0: pressure and, and
1: lucky. Hell
0: yeah. Ooming, you get to spend two adversity tokens to not be seen <coughs> in reason.
1: Clone pressure, you can spend an adversity token to take half of your die's value instead of rolling on a snap decision. Fuck you. Uh, and uh, lucky, which gives me uh, it gives me the ability to spend two adversity tokens to re-roll a stat
0: check. I'm going to do heroic, and then um, just for the vibes, I feel like I'm going to go something off the list, which is an option that you can do, and do rebellious, because I like the idea of a conspiracy theorist that's like, no, fuck you to every adult. Uh, and just doesn't trust them in that way. I see. I see. Um, and then for flaws, I'm probably going to go with uh, paranoid and superstitious.
1: Jesus Christ. I'm, like, really trying to think about who this person is.
0: I love that you got this trope.
1: Um, You know what? I think I'm going to take out Cool Under Pressure and do Prepared instead. Mm-hmm. thinking about cuz a lot of like plastic beauty stuff is like oh they have hairspray on them lipstick they have a comb they have whatever yeah. the, so like the idea of the character like having some random fucking item on their person
0: No I think that's very fitting.
1: Um to me that's it makes the more sense. situation where it's
0: like cool I have a lighter cuz I'm smoking later and yeah I definitely have hairspray on. I can make a flamethrower right now right?
1: Yep. Um yep. and then lucky cuz you know pretty people have privilege.
0: Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. Hell yeah. <sighs>
1: Flaw time. Uh, yeah. Two flaws.
0: Uh, I picked mine. Uh, I went with paranoid and superstitious.
1: I'm um, gonna speed run the list: absent-minded, blunt, boastful, clumsy, conceited, cowardly, deceitful, demanding, disloyal, disobedient, dogmatic, envious, flippant, gloomy, Robert? greedy, hot-tempered, ignorant, inconsiderate, insecure, irrational. That's half the list. Neurotyp- or neurotic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not neurotypical. Obnoxious, neuro-typical paranoid, patronizing, perverse, disgusting, petty, picky, prejudiced, prim, reckless, resentful, restless. Rude, secretive, self-centered, self-pitying, slovenly.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that means.
1: Superstitious, vain, and vindictive. Good fucking. I mean, vain is the obvious one, right? Like I don't. Or, d-
0: vain or conceited.
1: I'll do vain. I'll do vain. Um, and then, oh, second flaw, Jesus.
0: Inconsiderate would be a fun one.
1: Ah, <sighs> cowardly, deceitful, demanding, disloyal, disobedient, dogmatic,
0: envious, flippant. Oh, petty's an option. <laughs> I'm taking
1: petty then. vain and petty, you getting me?
0: <laughs> it's you.
1: Perfect combination. Um, do you want to have the pin thrown at you today? <laughs> no. So I can throw it a lot harder than you can.
0: <laughs> this, this is physical abuse. can live
1: out our real life roles in this paper right now.
0: No, we don't have to do that. Okay. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to run over on this real quick, uh, just because I think it's a really cool thing that you could do in this, are the quick start questions that they offer. And this will be the last portion of our uh, kind of character creation process um, before we call it a day. Uh, In the shortest version of this setup, uh, players answer one question about their character clockwise from the table, blah, 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 blah. They basically include these really fun lists of questions in here um, that you can kind of like roll on. And it'll be relationship questions uh, for characters you know and characters you don't know. Or for characters you don't know and then characters you have a negative relationship with and then characters you have a positive relationship with. Oh yeah. um, Which I think is really fun, so we can use these two characters as an example um, is there do you a list of these... fears on here somewhere uh no I don't think so I, I forgot about fears that's something that you kind yeah. of like come up with
1: on the character sheets just for reference it goes name age fear motivation flaws description and then it has your um, your strengths on there that you basically just check next to the box there's a little spot for you to write uh, how many diversity tokens you have to the right of that is stats um, and then on the bottom there's a little Section for notes. So just going in order, you would have done fear and motivation first, but it's easier yeah. to do strengths and flaws because they're, like, easier to find.
0: I think that it's also easy to find a fear and motivation after you already have your strengths and flaws.
1: We, we're listen, we're going to control F this document and see if we can find a motivation.
0: I don't... <laughs> nah. Give me the motivation.
1: No, like, just, like, a section for it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Well, um, while you search, I can go ahead and bullshit some.
1: Fears. Think about what scares you. Uh, Okay. So, so, okay, so the mechanical implication for this fear will be addressed in Planned Actions and Snap Decisions on page 29. So what it's getting at there is that your fears, if you want to use them mechanically, it's kind of like a, a time or an instance where your GM can give you like a very clearly higher DC for something or puts you at a disadvantage if we're talking in terms of 5th edition, even though it doesn't exist in the system. So like if your character is one of their fears is spiders, and they have to interact with a giant spider in a cave, chances are your DC is going to be a lot higher than it is for the person that is yeah. not afraid of spiders. It's
0: also, if you're facing your fear, it is always going to be a snap decision. You are not able to take planned actions.
1: Hell yeah. Um, yep, this is, this is pretty much it. So it's just kind of giving, in my opinion, fear in terms of what's, what goes on this list. Fear is to give your, um, your GM a plot point and a plot hook at some point.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking very like Dipper from Gravity Falls because I kind of took the Gravity Falls thing and ran with it. Um, so, a fear being monsters in the supernatural, which is, I think, something that they are actively. Uh, searching I, for. I put
1: wet hair. <laughs> <laughs> wet hair. So, like, water in general.
0: Hey, I'm not acting like it's not a valid fear. I hate showering. I'm swimming. For that exact I'm reason. not going in
1: that, fuck- that dank ass cave. Are you kidding me? It's been like two hours. I, this is the one shit with together, the.
0: Man. I, no, that's perfect. Is this the one with the holding your breath feature?
1: Yeah, it's disgusting. Oh, that's oh, gonna I'm be so, so
0: fun. That's gonna be so fun. Ugh.
1: And then motivation is kind of similar, so um, it's again more of a like guiding characteristic thing than anything.
0: Yeah. Um, before even doing motivation, because I think that that's also something that comes with like kind of the world. Um, because why would this person be snooping into things?
1: Yep, there's also an option on here when going through the character creation, uh, which is called backpacks. So yeah. you basically go through and put together a list of things that you would have in your backpack. So like the benefit of having a trait uh, called prepared is that you can turn your adversity tokens into random fucking objects that you can just manifest in your backpack, like yeah. a lighter, or a small piece of rope, so or a pencil. if
0: it's not on the list that you give your GM at the start of the game, you can say, oh, well, actually...
1: Yeah, well, actually... I have the tokens to spend, yeah. therefore I have the item.
0: Yeah. Um. So, do we want to go ahead and do relationship questions?
1: Mm, let's hit. Let's do motivations really all quick. All right. I just want to finish. I want to finish what's on here real quick before we do the rest of it. So, uh, reading the description in the little, little book. So, motivation. Write something down. That strongly motivates you. Might not be the. Might not be the thing that drives all of your decisions, but it certainly drive most of them, and especially the big ones. Um, it could be a specific motivation. Find my son no matter what it costs me and press Tom so that he'll go out with me. It could be more general, like look cool or learn. Uh, or it could have something to do with concealing information. Don't let the other people know that I'm, my business is failing. Uh, don't let my children know that I killed their father. Jesus. Not for a system that really touts itself as being kid friendly, Jesus Christ, are the yeah. examples insane?
0: No, it's kid friendly in the way of like you. It... It's the energy of like when you and your friends are like playing a kid's game and you get way too fucking into it and it gets mm-hmm. really, really aggressive really fast.
1: Yeah, so there are three different suggestions. So it says for children, they're typically motivated by their curiosity. For teens, they're often motivated by social factors like fitting in, finding, maintaining romantic relationships. And adults are more like holding on to something, protecting something, business, family. And then all of them, it says all age groups can be motivated by something or somebody they've lost. Trauma is the unifying Yay! factor. What is your character motivated by?
0: Proof of the critter. Oh,
1: my fucking god, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Evidence. Proof. Of course it is. God damn it. Proving Bigfoot's real. Like, okay.
0: Listen, let me live out my ghost hunter dreams. Oh. I wanted to be like a ghost hunter so badly.
1: I don't fucking know what this person's motivation is. If I'm being wholly honest with I would you. I was like,
0: yeah, because we don't know what the adventure is yet.
1: Yeah... I mean, I guess looking cool is an easy one.
0: Like impressing people. Like, are they yeah. like a social media influencer? Yeah, are I they guess. All, are they like for the content? Uh, yeah,
1: kind of, kind of. I'm just, gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say looking cool. Okay. I'm taking riskier options if it means I look cool.
0: Fair enough.
1: Hell yeah. All right. Taking that higher DC because you know what? If I pull that shit off,
0: it's gonna look dope as shit. Yes, it is. All right.
1: Stunts and tricks and shit.
0: Get a D20 out. Okay. I got uh, 20. Well, first, before we do this, do our characters know each other? Do they have a positive relationship? If they do know each other, do they have a positive relationship or a negative relationship? And then we're going to roll on that chart.
1: Oh, Jesus. Each. Um, so it's up to you. Do you want to you want to assign that also to a d20 and let it do that or do you have like a strong opinion either way?
0: Uh, you can roll a d4 and we just a- assign one to each of the options and then ignore one.
1: Well, you could also just say high or low for the d20.
0: Oh, um but there's three options. Don't know each other, negative,
1: oh, or positive. Oh, okay. I see, I see. Normie. me. All right, pick a number to ignore. Uh, four. Okay. So, are we just going in order, then? One, two, three?
0: Yeah. One, positive, two, negative, three, don't know.
1: Okay. We got a two. Fucking great. What was it? Positive, negative, don't know each other. It was a two, so it's negative.
0: Oh, lovely. Ah. Um... <laughs> I'm we could ju- never have characters that get along.
1: I love character creation. I love putting together a party. I have never once sat down and put together a party or a group of Let's players that positive. automatically got along with each other. Can Let's, we do positive?
0: Yeah, we can do positive.
1: We're doing positive. Fuck the dice. We have the, the, the choice to make that. Fuck the dice. We
0: can make that decision. So uh, you can roll a d20, and then I'll ask you the question yeah.
1: first. I got a three. Um, <laughs> What's the question, dog?
0: What great kindness did this character do for you that they don't remember, but oh. you did? We could re-roll.
1: No, fuck's sake. Um. Oh, oh. This is this is gonna this is gonna sound terrible, but I, I like the idea that the character, like uh, my character, did something really embarrassing or felt very uncool in a particular moment, and just like the level of nerdiness that was exuding from the other character was just so extreme that all of the attention was subtracted and that felt like an like it's like
0: is that positive is that a positive I think it's positive though
1: though because it's like oh my god my hair looks terrible and everyone's gonna turn the corner and see it and then nerdy kid holds up a salamander and all the other kids run and it's like you don't know that you did an act of kindness for me but you just saved my ass in front of half the school okay
0: okay that's fair you know what I'm saying yeah these are really fun questions do you wanna roll another
1: yeah i roll another why not an eleven
0: Eleven. Um, what lengths would you go to in order to defend this character?
1: Um, interesting. I picked Vain and Petty. <laughs> Disloyal was not was not one of the ones I picked. Um, just because I think those characters are fucking boring. But yeah. Um. Oh, what links would my character go to protect the other one? I want to say pretty far. Um, I don't know. I. I want to play beyond just, like, the plastic beauty that's an asshole and, like, the, like I don't know, and it's cool with being a mean person. It's more of, like, happenstance. This is the way I enjoy getting my attention. Yeah. And uh, to the extent where it's, like, I don't necessarily understand that I'm putting down other people, but, like, I'm getting the attention, so who fucking cares? But also, I'm not going to, like, let you die.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? Like, like I'm gonna... not
0: a bad person. I yeah. just, like, am maybe a little into my hair. Yeah.
1: I just maybe like the way that I look. Yeah, it's just a priority for me. But like, I'm not gonna fuck you intentionally. So I would say somewhere in the middle. Like, I'm not okay. throwing my life on the line, but I'm also not just gonna walk away if you need help.
0: Okay. Uh, and, uh, these are so fast. Four. Four. Um, what trait about this character that they despise do you genuinely appreciate? That's a really fun question.
1: Um, that they despise that we genuinely appreciate. I don't know enough about the character.
0: I'll say I think that's part of it. Is at least in this. Portion of the process, right? It's kind of helping we're the other forming people each other,
1: create, right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, ah, that I appreciate. It's it's interesting that I appreciate.
0: I can take a break and answer a question in the meantime. No,
1: I think going in in lines of looking pretty, I imagine that there's like uh, an un like, uh, a undeniable urge and, like, uh, overwhelming need to be very meticulous in, like, Mm -hmm. collecting all of the evidence and getting all the material and making sure that, like, all of the reports are perfect and just resonating on that level with, like, this person's (laughs) aesthetic. It's like, no, I get that. I know that you hate it, but, like, I appreciate that because it takes me hours to do the shit that I do to myself.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, it takes you hours to put things together, but, like, you know.
0: Yeah. It's not the
1: same, but basically it's versus
0: a character who's like, I know that I've got to spend the time like compiling the evidence and shit, but I don't really want to do that. I just kinda of wanna get out there and do things. But mm-hmm. I know I have to like keep my, my books in order and mm-hmm. I hate
1: that. And for this character, like almost enjoying the process. Yeah. It's like, no, I appreciate it. I think it's fun, but I mean, I you know, fun. to each their own.
0: You wanna roll a D twenty for me? Yeah. A ten. Ten. Um what is this character sacrificing to protect you? Probably a little bit of status. Yeah. Uh, I think that That was my first thought too. Like immediately of like anyone who's in this position and like I've, we've immediately established, this is not a cool person. Um, The the (laughs) traits are, (laughs) (laughs) traits are paranoid and superstitious. Yeah. Like, not um, a
1: very like cool under pressure kind of person. And this seems like
0: someone who is really cool. So just like, even being like, listen, man, you're already sticking your neck out for me by like talking to me at lunch. So Mm -hmm. like, that's a lot already. Yep. And like reputation being put on the line. Wanna roll again?
1: Sure. Two.
0: Two. Um what do you admire about this character that would but you would never tell them? Um I think I liked I in this character is coming off very like socially awkward to me or not even socially awkward but just like acts like they're better than thinking about or dealing with like social ramifications and repercussions. Of Like I don't care about being popular and it's like no, you yeah. don't care about being popular because you fucking suck. Um, <laughs> and it's not going well. That was me in high school like I don't care about being popular. It was like girl, that was never an option for you. Yeah. Like it's next. Like you don't care
1: about it because it was um, never in like your, your sphere of things you could care about.
0: Exactly. But I think being able to admire that someone is able to like put so much care and attention and like it's not it's not it's beyond the shallow stuff it's Mm. like okay this person actually does listen to people and like does like yeah they know like all of the popular kids birthdays but it's like beyond just being able to be like yeah they're my friends because they're popular it's like you actually do care Mm. and like you actually put a lot more effort into things than uh people realize because you're probably trying to give off this like very like I'm just put together like this. And it's like, no, I know you spent two hours on your hair this morning because it is gelled to high hell. Mm -hmm. There's no way that that's not natural. And then being able to like appreciate. But also, like, I'm never going to fucking tell them that. Yeah. Next question. Yeah. That was thrown so aggressively. A 16. A 16. What would losing this character mean to you?
1: (laughs) They get so serious so quick.
0: Heavy as fuck. What trait
1: do you appreciate about them that you wouldn't tell them? How would it feel if they fucking died in front of you? <laughs> How would your character react if they saw another child die?
0: Yeah, um, I think it would mean a lot. I think that this is someone who doesn't have a ton of friends, and so being able to like have a cool friend, right? Uh, let alone a friend, mm-hmm. uh, and then being someone who like, I think they're also going to take a lot of responsibility. And like, I mean, if we're looking at the tropes, conspiracy theorist and uh, plastic beauty. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say one of them is getting the other into trouble and it's not the plastic beauty who's like, Hey, yeah. maybe we should go check out the fucking abandoned warehouse right. and Very so much the
1: plastic beauty having to like bail the person out every time. Yeah. It's like, so no, I think, officer, I just I thought it would be really cool to take Instagram yeah, pictures here and here I didn't content. I didn't see the sign on the front door. Meanwhile
0: girlie's in the corner with like a tinfoil hat on, it's yeah. just like fully going crazy. Um so I think also like blaming themselves for if that character like did Mm -hmm. like lose a a loss in some way. Does it
1: walk yeah, it doesn't walk out of the situation.
0: Um and even like in in a social setting of like I fucked up to a point where this character is no longer my friend.
1: Mm -hmm. Seventeen.
0: Seventeen. Um move on. When did you first realize you loved this character platonically or romantically?
1: What do you think, Madison? Is there a romantic interest here?
0: Um, a jock and a conspiracy theorist? Or, I know that's not a jock, a plastic... Be- Are you, like, a... so? What is your vibe, man?
1: What do you mean, what is my vibe?
0: Like, I'm trying to figure out... So, social media is a part of it.
1: Yeah, to an extent. Okay. I think it's, um... Oh... I had a very specific vibe in high school, and I never took it to this level, which is kind of what I'm trying to, to bank As on. I, here, I several truly of these had bits, no idea. I
0: thought about the things you've said about this? I didn't, high
1: school. I, I truly, like, there was a time in high school where, like, I could have been very similar to this, but I chose not to just because my priorities were very different. But um, taking some of the more negative sides of that to the extreme, or at least pushing them a little bit higher, I think. So my aesthetic in high school was uh, greaser, like, to the point. To the extent that I was in the my high school yearbook as a lookalike with somebody who looked like a greaser, uh, that's what I was known for. I was cast in uh, Grease, the musical, in our high school only because I had the hair. Um, and I played the lead only because I had the hair. I was told I couldn't really sing that well, but he would fix that. So if that tells you the extent that I like cared about my appearance, like it was dark jeans, white t-shirt, leather jacket in the summer, Darkest shoes as I could get cause I, I don't fuck with boots. Uh, and like the most pristine, slicked back gel hair. I'm combing it every 30 seconds.
0: The photos I'm of your bringing hair product with me school to is school. so fucking funny.
1: Um, so I think it's very much just like cooler than everybody else, like walks yeah. into the room with sunglasses on teachers, like, Hey, take those off. And it's like only if I have to Yeah. sitting in the back of the class, putting feet up on like the table, but then also still like socializing and gossiping with everybody and be like, that was cool. Wasn't it? Yeah. That was so cool. <laughs> what I just did there <laughs> like still checking in to like, like get, like get that extra boost a hundred percent like walking in super cool. And then be like, okay, but wasn't like, what did you guys think? Yeah. How did my hair look when I walked did I in? Do, did I do good? Yeah. Did I do good. It's kind of like that.
0: I think that would be a very fun relationship. Like, did I? Did I look? You looked so fucking cool, man. You did so good.
1: Just this deep level of insecurity where it's like I'm talking to the nerd in the back of the class and being like, "Hey, level with me here." Somebody that doesn't give a shit. Was that cool?
0: <laughs> it's like that was so fucking sick, man. <laughs> like I don't even give a fuck about that shit. That was so fucking cool.
1: So that's the vibe.
0: Okay. Um, I think this is a joint question.
1: A joint question, and it was it like. Do you like this person like romantically? It was when did you
0: first realize you loved this character either platonically or romantically?
1: We've established
0: friends at school, we um, have established friends, so that's just a big jump in any capacity.
1: My thought is that maybe there's always been a thought on both of their ends, but nothing has ever been pushed to any like real acknowledgement, kind of similar to like the Parker and Daisy thing, but just not that level of like closeness in terms of like, oh, maybe there was like a time where like hands brushed and it was like in this moment you could. But you're on such different ends of the yeah, ladder. Yeah, it's
0: like we are in two different worlds. We're not even
1: gonna think about it's it. Also it's also that
0: same way of like it, characters in high school. Of like, if you if you're in high school, a lot of the time there's always like a weird like passing thought, mm-hmm. or like something where it's like when you <laughs> when you have another single friend your age, uh, and there's someone of the gender that you're attracted to, um, and then it's just like, if I like sat down and thought about it, or like put any effort into this, mm-hmm. it could definitely happen. But nah. I've gotta go to class so many other things to do. And that's awkward
1: and I have to talk to people and tell them how I feel and
0: And that's also just such a fun thing to play as like So
1: that's kinda my thought.
0: Yeah. I agree with that.
1: I think that's fun. It's It's also a thing. I
0: think it's also very funny to be like having someone who's like so into their appearance and so into like social status and be like Maybe, no, I cannot fucking do that. Their glasses are (laughs) like like, an inch thick. Wow,
1: she like doesn't look terrible to what the fuck am I saying?
0: Yeah, it's like I, I, I I have curated my, (laughs) my fucking like platform. (laughs) Absolutely not. My, like the fucking context of my phone, and I cannot throw it away on this. Like, and then also on the flip side of that, of being like, wow, maybe he's not, what the fuck are you, he spends two hours getting ready in the morning. You don't have that kind of time. You don't have time yeah. to wait for that. You've got monsters to catch.
1: Like he's not going out in the woods at two a.m. to look for Bigfoot tracks. <laughs> he's gonna worry about getting his shoes dirty.
0: Yeah, and just the like the the divide of like I'll deal with that later. Is that deal yeah. with that later energy, which mm-hmm. is always so fun with like teenage characters.
1: What's next?
0: Um, I Anything? that's, that's that all of the up? questions. Unless you want to do uh, a negative question.
1: Um. Let's do one negative question and answer it jointly, and then I think maybe just hammering out really quickly a brief character description and a name and calling it there.
0: All right, sounds good to me. Eight. Eight. Um, what role did this character play in the worst day of your life? Oh, fuck me. That's a fun question. Well, easy
1: for your character. God damn it! Um, uh, for answering it jointly, that's it's interesting. And if both characters are answering that question, that means it's also kind of like a enemies to friends situation yeah. at some point. I would imagine it started with like the same day is both the worst day for each other, mm-hmm. and then like beyond that is when the conversation happens, where it's yeah. like, hey. I don't talk to you and I don't plan on talking to you, but, like, I apologize. Yeah, like, that yeah, was, like, was... It was equally as bad for me was, as it, it was, was for bad, you. It was
0: bad for both of us. If we
1: could just acknowledge that, like, my whole reputation just got flushed. Yeah. It wasn't intentional.
0: Yeah. I, oh, so my So what gosh. do we think happened, then? I feel like it's something ridiculous. Like, mm. it has to be something ridiculous. I'm trying to decide if it's, like, in a social setting or not, because I also think, like, the idea of, like, conspiracy theorists is doing something to, like, gather evidence in some way, and... Mm. And they're just about to get it. And then they, like, fucking bump into each other or some shit. And then, right. like, you go in the water. Because it talks about, like, there's a boardwalk or something. Yeah. Um. She's, like, on the edge of getting the fucking, like, this, right. this one picture. And then she fucking bumps into you. And then you
1: hit the water. Hit the water. Yeah. So
0: worst day for you. You bumped into this fucking nerd. Mm. And now your hair is wet. And I'm like, I had lost the, the best fucking evidence. Of your
1: career. And then
0: this goddamn Barbie doll is walking down the fucking street. Um and I take just, a selfie
1: on the way through doing yeah. a little vlog and then just like whoops.
0: Where it's like it this is this is shit for both of us. Yeah. This is this is deeply bad for, for both of us in this situation. Valid. And it also ties in both of their fears.
1: Yes, it does. Uh and using evidence and getting wet. <laughs>
0: you can't say that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. All right. Uh, what is your character's name?
0: Um fuck. Oh god, that's always the hardest part. Isn't it, uh, ChatGPT,
1: baby? God damn it! What's going
0: on? Um, I feel like at this point I've got to keep with another flower name because that's kind of my go-to. For... I mean, I could not. Jesus. No, it's Christ. okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, I've fa- aster.
1: Aster. That that's makes so. Name. That makes so much sense.
0: Uh, it's a perennial flower.
1: I'm going with Tony. <laughs> Tony checks. Right.
0: It's Tony. Tony checks. This is in New Jersey, so you get to do your Jersey accent. Oh,
1: Jesus Christ. Anyways, Tony checks.
0: Aster's a really fun name.
1: Yeah. Aster and Tony. <laughs> it's uh, it's like Aster is such a nasally fucking name. Aster and Tony.
0: Mm-hmm. What does Tony look like?
1: Um, I mean, I pretty much fucking described it.
0: Hey, Greaser. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Uh, Aster will have a uh, pixie cut, like really short, uh, darker brown hair. Um, Chats. Thick Chats. glasses. Uh, it, I'm feeling like very like plaid mm. overalls. Yep. Um, is this
1: modern day? Are you putting this in modern day, or are uh, you throwing it back a little bit?
0: What do we want to do? I mean, this is all about collaborative world building.
1: Um, I think like an 80s vibe could be kind of neat. 80s vibe. Just because okay. that fits. Like the the whole Tony thing a little bit more, and I think I can, I think those two opposite ends of like the stereotypes existed very much at the same time, which oh, is yeah. like the nerd with the scrunchie and the glasses and mm. the like the fucking bifocals. Like pretty
0: boy, and then
1: the pretty boy with like the leather jacket and the white t shirt. So the and important the question is
0: if this is like eighties nineties. Uh, is he one of the guys that wears the fucking crop tops, like the men's crop tops? Oh,
1: That's for sure. A very important
0: question. For sure. Okay. For sure. Okay.
1: Depends um, on like the day and what the outing is, but like for sure.
0: Okay. I, those just as a trend need to come back for men because they're, they're, I don't mean that in like a, like I'm an intuit way. I think they're very fun think, and funky and I think they're I think, think you mean
1: it a little bit as an intuit way.
0: No, I. Think I think you would
1: enjoy looking.
0: I mean, I'm not going to not look.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I'm
0: going to say, okay.
1: Gracer. <laughs> That's all I got to <laughs> write from my description. all for the description. Gracer.
0: All right. Well, I think I'm just mostly excited about touchdowns being Gravity Falls because I know that yeah. you're a Gravity Falls fan, and I'm a massive Gravity Falls fan. Yeah. Um, and I don't even really get to play her because I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna, but I'm I mean, gonna, I'll
0: figure out how that works.
1: Yeah, I, say, I think that's an experience that you'll you'll come to enjoy more than you think you will. Even though I I was D, I still DM the majority of the one shots. Um, specifically the the ones that we did with Eba and Sparrow. I still got to fully play and enjoy Eba as a character. Yeah. Like, you still get to use them mechanically in the story. The only thing that takes a little bit of the fun out of it is, like, you kind of have to play against yourself. Yeah. So, like, you know what roles you're going to be giving yourself as X character, and you also know what's around the corner as X character, but you kind of have to, like, play the character a little stupid in terms of, like, yeah, I don't actually... Like, you can't game. Yeah. If you game, then it's just going to be it's gonna be bad. Well, I
0: think one of the fun things about this is it, because it's so collaborative, I think it's also something that might lend itself more to having our, this, which the way that we play on the podcast, when it's the two of us, is very unorthodox and uncommon. It is yeah. just, uh, it, it's the two of us, so. Yep. um, Just two of us. For the yeah. time mm-hmm. being, at least. Mm-hmm. Great song. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. with it being collaborative, mm-hmm. I think it's also something that'll be fun to, like, toss back and forth between.
1: Um, and I think you'll find it easier to try and do that kind of a setting with this system. Yeah. You'll yeah. have significantly less to juggle. Yeah. Less stat blocks, all that fun stuff. You'll just have, like, a list of, of dice. Hell yeah. So.
0: Well, uh, that was our kids on our All About Bikes, uh, is probably what I'm going to call it. Um, all episode, About Bikes. Uh, we will go ahead. I'll link uh, copies of the character sheets that we've made um, in the description of this video or on our Patreon, which should hopefully be up and running by the time that this episode comes out.
1: Fingers crossed. Um,
0: fingers crossed. Um, if I've got time in between rehearsals, because I'm currently in a show right now. Ooh, um,
1: currently in a show right now. Yes. Waiting for Lefty.
0: Waiting for Lefty. I play Doc Benjamin. Um,
1: Exciting stuff.
0: Very, very excited. I was in rehearsals for several hours today. <laughs> um, and will be for the foreseeable future. See
1: um, you next Thursday.
0: Bye.